We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game betting odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown! Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined by Sean Siegel, co-host of the show here, co-host of Stadium Bananas, and also one of the co-owners of RotoViz.com. Head on over, check out all Sean's great work up on Road of His. We did touch on a number of pieces on this week's show, as we do on every week, and uh, we'll be doing a try today's show as well, looking at some of Sean's work. We also mentioned some of Blair's work this week. We'll be mentioning some work later on in today's show about tight ends from Neil Dutton. Lots of great pieces up there. Head on over and check it out up on rotaviz.com. Sean, we are uh, kind of getting excited for a week eight here. We're one day away. I, I really can't wait. Um, you know, peeling back the curtain for the listeners. This show has been recorded on Wednesday, so the listeners might be w- wondering How's Colin feeling after the the Packers win, the Packers lost, the Packers tie? What a great game that was that they pulled through with basically no wide receivers. But the truth is, at this point in time, that game hasn't occurred, so we cannot really discuss it. But we are excited, Sean, for Week 8 nonetheless. We are, and it does seem like Colin is throwing that out there uh, as if he doesn't know that the Green Bay Packers are going to get slaughtered without their receivers. (laughs) So, Yes, we are looking forward we are looking forward to week eight and Colin mentioned some of the great pieces. I, I want to say that because of when we record on Wednesday, we don't specifically reference some of the things that are in the awesome pieces by Connor Corbin and Bjorn, but they are doing great work with the tools and with a lot of the cool advanced stats that we have now in the advanced stat explorer in the ceiling signals tool. Ben and I go through some of those in our final stealing bananas show of the week but those guys are doing a great job and uh, thursday friday saturday i love to pour over both their work and just uh, the incredible information in those tools if you haven't had a chance to dive in and, and do that you will enjoy it right i mean it's not just about winning in fantasy but if, if you like football then it, it's just a blast to go through the other thing here as we 
uh, are recording a piece for Saturday and people are getting their lineups ready. They're getting their DFS teams ready. Dave Cayman does great work with both the Gillespie projections and his wide receiver cornerback article. You have those two pieces and you have what you need to really dominate uh, each and every week in terms of start sit, in terms of DFS, Blair comes in with a really cool sort of single entry DFS piece there on Saturdays as well. And looking a little bit at EP and Gillespie and how those things fit. So if you're looking for some opportunities to really maximize your DFS winnings, get in there and check out what Dave and Blair have to say. Michael Dubner, Michael Hitchcock, the Michaels, have our DFS content. Uh, they cover the different formats, and you will also you know, really enjoy reading their pieces. So those guys doing great work late in the week. Column, you and I are going to be discussing tight ends, and you know, we've saved it till now. People have been talking about him all week, but Kyle Pitts is, I mean, we're now on the verge of not saying definitively, but being able to make the claim that, I mean, if you come out and say, and it's one of the things here where we had one of the most stacked rookie classes of all time to where if you were in a super flex draft, you could have potentially taken a Travis Etienne or a Jamar Chase, you know, five, six, seven range because Harris is in there, because Pitts is in there, because Trevor Lawrence and then the tool dual threat quarterbacks are in there. And, uh, you know, I don't necessarily think that those were bad picks. I look at all of my teams and the super flex teams that are struggling. I mean, it's completely because I've taken risk at QB and I'm trying to figure out how to not pay for quarterbacks and still have quarterbacks and be patient. If I don't have quarterbacks, you know, lose until you can get the quarterbacks in there and then absolutely dominate because you're so loaded everywhere else. But my point basically is that you can understand why people are going for dual threat quarterbacks, even with superstar prospects, but Kyle Pitts went number one overall in some of these drafts, right? I mean, he pushed out Trevor Lawrence in some of these drafts and almost exclusively went ahead of Harris and Jamar Chase. I still would say, I don't think that it's necessarily right to have him ahead of Jamar Chase, but you could now make the claim if you wanted that in non-super flex, Kyle Pitts is the number one dynasty player overall, right? Not the number one tight end, but the number one player overall. And we had some cool work from Blair earlier this week on just where he fits historically. And Yerson could be the number one player overall. Like we've talked, we talked earlier in the week about Chase. We talked in the off season about Chase and Pitts being, you know, potentially going down as historic prospects and then what they do in the NFL. Chase had his issues in the preseason with the drops. People, you know, kind of started to joke a little bit about that. He's blowing that out of the water. After a couple of weeks of the season, people were saying like, oh, where's Kyle Pitts, you know, overdrafted and may still be overdrafted. But if you're in a tight end premium league, I think in these next uh, couple of weeks, that's really going to change in a major way. But if we look at like both of those guys are really set up now to have the best rookie and best the best rookie wide receiver and best rookie tight end seasons of all time uh the way way things are setting up here so um you know we talked about it in the off season and again it's that thing the season is more than three weeks long let it play out but kyle pitts now through those seven weeks 
has the uh, most PPR points um, through seven weeks. And then a lot of these other metrics are going to kind of tie into that. But he has the most receptions for a tight end through those seven weeks and the most receiving yards. Now, he does trail some of the other guys in touchdowns. He just has the one touchdown so far this season. But he has been extremely productive as well based on his targets and his receptions. 47 targets, 33 receptions. Uh, and has been very efficient with those and some of those receptions that he made particularly this past week like right up there with some of the best like Devontae Adams made a couple of incredible he made one incredible sideline catch in particular last week like Kyle Pitts is doing <laughs> similar enough receptions at the tight end position they are they're lining him up at wide receiver he's going against the number one cornerbacks on some of these off our defenses and he's he's making the plays so he, he just looks fantastic and I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how things play out for that offense as well they started the season really bad Matt Ryan looked really bad the offense looked really bad Carter L. Patterson maybe was the secret sauce to tie it all together but they have improved not dramatically but overall they have shown enough to be able to support Pitts and I think they'll be able to support Ridley as well uh, as fantasy relevant options but in terms of players who have had at least 60 points in PPR through the first seven weeks. There is just six names and Kyle Pitts is, is number one on that list. So I guess the question is, uh, we talked about Chase, so we'll leave him out of it, but the all-time rookie record is 1,076 yards. Hard to believe that was set in 1961 by Mike Dick, but um, you know, at this point of the season, we have 471 yards for Pitts. Still a ways to go, but are we confident that that he's going to hit that he's on pace for 1144 but i mentioned about how the season started off i think that pace could could quicken here uh, quite swiftly it'll be interesting to see right because i think when you are this good this early and people were expecting it then it's tempting to think that it's going to continue on like this the difference between pits and chase is that with pits we're really looking at these two big games now they're huge games and it's complemented by not just the target volume and the actual production, but those highlight catches that you mentioned. So the entire package is here. It's interesting to look at some of the other names on the list. You have Evan Ingram, you have Jordan Reed, you have Aaron Hernandez, three guys who are more of the, the catch first kind of tight end. And uh, the biggest disappointment there really is Evan Ingram has just never developed at all really from that juncture and he was someone people really liked he's got you know that smaller athletic tight end build and you know we just don't have anything from him jordan reed really has his career torpedoed by injuries aaron hernandez has his career torpedoed by some pretty serious off the field issues we don't necessarily expect those things to happen to Pitts. It would be interesting to know what Reed and Hernandez might have done in a different, you know, a parallel universe, say. But yeah, it's very exciting. And the thing with Pitts, again, just comes in that we have this tight end position that isn't nearly as loaded. If you missed on Chase and now you're looking at having probably the best wide receiver in the NFL, I mean, the last time that I think we had someone like a Jamar Chase would be when Calvin Johnson came into the NFL. Right. I mean, we talk about him being the best prospect since Amari Cooper in terms of what so many of the prospect models say. I mean, Matt Spencer has a fantastic prospect model. One of the things that is just eye opening with him, it's like you, you look at Chase and you're like, yeah, I mean, I know he's a good prospect and he was drafted really early. You look at Matt's model and you're like, okay, well, I mean, the gap 
between him and some of the other players. I mean, the gap between him and say a Nikhil Harry, for example, just bigger than the gap that you're looking at with the Grand Canyon there. So it really emphasizes just what a mega prospect he was as a 21 year old to have these first seven games. I mean, you're now looking at chase being this league wrecking player for a decade, but you yourself can balance that out by having great wide receiver depth and you always want the best players. You know, you're going to be disappointed, but you can perhaps balance it with Kyle Pitts. I mean, how are you going to get that production anywhere else? You know, I mentioned on the Thursday show that Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson are my number two and number three tight ends in dynasty. And I like both of those guys. I think that having them will give you a big edge, but we're not looking at those two players. And especially with Hawkinson, the expectation would be that, you know, he does advance through his career without serious injuries. He's got a long time to go. He can make it through this Jerry Goff era. You're hoping that when they draft a QB that you get one of the stars as opposed to one of the duds. And one of the, the issues with these teams that don't have QBs is not just that they don't have them now. It's that, I mean, you look at what's happened with the current draft class and the really relatively high probability that, you know, maybe 60% of the first rounders are going to be busts. And you can say, well, you know, you have a bad quarterback now, you miss on the next one, and your entire career is derailed. You go beyond that, and, I mean, we have some guys that we like. We've got a ton of Mike Kosicki in redraft. He has been on absolute fire. We've got a ton of Noah Fant. Fant in a little bit of a similar situation. We're like, well, after Bridgewater, is it going to be Aaron Rodgers? Or if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, are we pretty much done? You can't do the same thing. At tight end. So if you have Kyle Pitts, then it's this thing we talk about in redraft where you have like an extra entire extra starter. Well, now you're looking at having an entire extra starter for a decade. You know, how do other teams compete with you? are actually going to have to be pretty bad at managing your roster if you have Kyle Pitts to not be a perennial contender for a long, long time. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package, is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
So Sean, Pitts, you know, dominant, no surprise, dominated a lot of different uh, metrics this past week. We did have some other, um, you know, big performances across the board. CJ Usama had a, a massive game based off three catches, two touchdowns, 91 yards, but Pitts coming in uh, pretty much across a lot of things just slightly after him, but did have um, nice targets in terms of eight targets and a lot of other good metrics that we touched on a moment ago. But you touched on Mike Gusecki is having a great stretch here i almost don't want to talk too much about it in case we we curse it we did touch on him after two weeks of the season uh when things weren't going too well but i think that was the turning point when we talked you know positively about him so let's skip past gasecki in case we we curse it ahead of uh week eight here but any of the other tight ends in particular catching your eye across some of the the metrics um i mentioned earlier neil dutton has a the week eight report for tight ends up on the website focusing on what all went down in week seven but does have it set up at the tables for air yards in which again kyle pitts led the way travis kelsey number two there you did touch on on goddard as well he um came in third with 99 air yards this past week but is there any other wide receivers that uh, you do want to you do want to touch on here the interesting thing for uzama is that he does all of that damage on just the three targets we know he's going to be a low target guy in that offense where those three receivers are the stars but you know, when we look at how low the tight end scoring is i mean he's someone a little bit like you know if you have the ability to roster whoever the starter is that week for buffalo you have that chance for the scores and maybe multiple scores because the defense you know when you're trying to take away digs you're trying to take away emmanuel sanders uh you're annoyed by Col- beasley underneath then the tight end has a shot so uzama somebody i think you have to take seriously from that perspective zach Ertz breaks out and has the three receptions on five targets for 66 yards and a touchdown in the cardinals offense uh, that offense is so split with the four wide receivers and then James Conner getting his weekly touchdown that the ceiling may not be what we want from a volume perspective. But again, you just having exposure to an offense that way at a position where it's hard to score points, I really, really like. Uh, Ingr- Evan Ingram, whom we just mentioned, as, as not taking a step forward, he does draw nine targets last week. So that's nothing to sneeze at as well. Kind of the, the main guy, and we hinted at it on Thursday, Dallas Goddard, you know, limited in terms of what we'd like to see target-wise, but he's number three in air yards at 99. That trails only Pitts and Travis Kelsey, you know, targeted just shy of 20 yards down the field. So this is one of those situations where Jalen, you know, target him more, target him shallower, make some of those connections. But Goddard now has the chance to really be something in this offense where Devonte smith is going to be good right we still have a lot of questions quez watkins one of these guys who has sort of a cool profile he's the underdog uh, it looks like you know he's re- he's usurping jalen rager in a lot of ways but goddard has the chance to really be the the big number two there and so both Ertz and goddard people who are willing to kind of gamble on that trade happening is something that you and i did in a lot of our best ball drafts and now uh, we'll look to see if Ertz can pull us back as the season goes along Colin uh, Neil has a lot of cool things in this piece I think you know readers will enjoy going in and checking it out you know tight ends our, our tight end stuff doesn't necessarily get as much traffic because all of the focus just and justifiably is on running backs wide receivers running backs wide receivers but tight ends are, are where you're going to win 
in so many cases. So kind of fun to go check that out. You can see the total red zone targets for players uh, throughout the season here. And a couple of interesting names. Tyler Higby remains number one with the 12 red zone targets. He's got nine receptions and two, tus- two touchdowns on those targets. Noah Fant, the guy that we have everywhere, is number two. It's good to see that. He's got three touchdowns in that area. If he can put up three more red zone touchdowns uh, between now and when the fantasy playoffs start, we'll be very happy. But number four, and in a tie for fourth, we've got some interesting names. We have John Smith and Ricky Seals-Jones. Now, Logan Thomas ideally is going to come back soon. I don't know the exact date. I'm not sure if Washington is 100% sure as well. But that one, not a season-ending injury. John Smith is interesting here. He's got eight. Hunter Henry has five. Henry has four touchdowns on those, whereas Smith only has one. John Smith, somebody popping up a little bit on, you know, even in deeper leagues, you know, on the on waivers, and also someone that I know you can get in trades right now. Both of these guys are actually made a trade with Hunter Henry that we'll talk about in a moment as it relates to whether or not we should sell Dalvin Cook. What are your thoughts on this Patriots passing attack? They've got depth at wide receiver, but not stars. They have depth at tight end, but I think most people would argue not stars. Mac Jones has looked very good, but at the same time, uh, when you're playing in the AFC East, then perhaps that's a little bit easier. There are some soft games in there when you've already played the Jets twice. Where do you expect this New England passing attack to go? It's quite hard to to call overall. I have been uh, playing both of these tight ends, and, and usually, if I'm being honest, I've played Hunter Henry more so than uh, Johnny Smith. But in some leagues, I've had to start them both over the last couple of weeks. But you touched on something that's quite interesting there with the red zone targets in terms of how things have worked out. So Smith has had eight targets, five receptions, but just led to the one touchdown. So getting those receptions inside the red zone, but just not getting into the end zone whereas hunter henry has had the four for four so he's had five targets four receptions four touchdowns the one thing i have noticed from watching both of those guys is henry's targets and i would need to look just to be completely sure about this if anyone does want to check but he tends to get targets that are in the end zone whereas smith's targets tend to be and that's obviously going to factor into if henry makes a reception as a touchdown whereas if uh, smith's getting a reception he's having to, to work then to get into the end zone so that probably will balance this out over time but i think although both are end zone targets i think henry's end zone targets are are likely to be more productive based on where he's actually getting those specific targets and um, the other one that you mentioned there that i think is interesting is the goddard and Ertz kind of dynamic with that separating so so far this season goddard has seven targets for five receptions two touchdowns whereas on the other side then Ertz had eight for four uh, and then two touchdowns so if we see the rest of that work and that may be split out to have Ertz's touchdown last week was yards after the catch i believe it was a 30 yard touchdown or in that range so i don't think it filters into this data um either so i, I think if we could see goddard get 50 to 100 percent of those targets that went the way of arts i think he could be very very interesting here moving forward i do have both of those guys like you mentioned on a, a number of rosters and dynasty rosters as well so it's going to be interesting to see where arts you know goes with with the offense i think he got off to the best possible start in arizona 
in week seven. But like you said, there's going to be weeks where it's, it's hard to know exactly who's going to put up the points exactly in that offense. And at the tight end position, once you get outside of those really top guys, if you can get somebody who's either going to get some target volume or has that opportunity to get into the end zone, they, they do become become very, very valuable. So I think uh, I think all of those guys are going to have inter- – if you were saying who who would I want to roster in those, it would be Goddard, then Ertz, then Henry, then um, Smith. I don't know if you would agree with that order. Yeah, I think that that is definitely the case for 2021. One of the interesting things here with this Henry versus Smith dynamic and how it could develop going forward, Henry has a, a two-target edge, right, 32 to 30, but he's got almost twice as many air yards, and he also has a higher catch percentage. And then at the same time, Johnny Smith has almost twice as many yards after the catch. Interesting things there where I think we could see some of those numbers converge. We could see Smith... Uh, targeted a little bit further down the field we could see him catch a few more balls and with his run after the catch ability something that I don't think that Hunter Henry possesses you could see him really kind of even this out and so if there's a buy low opportunity I would say that that exists with Smith both of these guys should be involved they were paid to be involved you know not undervalued from a contract perspective the patriots really went out and got them but i think perhaps undervalued in fantasy with the way this offense is developing and what mac jones is going to do in the future certainly you don't want to pay a ton but these are some guys who can help at a position where it's just so difficult to get consistent points and so we have some good notes there i I am hoping that this Philadelphia passing attack can take a little bit of a step forward over the second half of the season because you have players like a Devontae Smith, like a Kenny Gainwell, like a Dallas Goddard. All of those players are just so tantalizing in terms of what their upside would be if we got any completed passes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a, a downside. Uh, it is interesting this week for buys, um, two of the kind of top wide receiver, or sorry, tight ends, and two actually in the top six. Darren Waller off the Raiders and uh, Mark Andrews off the Ravens are both on by this week. So it may be a case that there is a lot of streaming happening uh, across the board um, this week. So check out Neil's piece. It'll give you some uh, potential targets there to have on your roster and in, in your starting lineups this week. Uh, got a good question coming in from Blake Schult, and he's asking, I'm trying to trade Dalvin Cook in a dynasty league where he is currently 2-5 and and rebuilding said i'm having a hard time finding many quality offers one offer is trying to use antonio gibson as a centerpiece i've become concerned about gibson's usage and wondering if he's ever going to be a true tree down back wanted to get you and sean's thoughts on gibson as the centerpiece of the deal so we have touched a little bit on potentially trading dalvin cook obviously the offer would have to be something that's going to make you want to do it Dalvin Cook is a fantastic player but looking long term in Dynasty and you know obviously if you're rebuilding you may not be in that you know continuous window of success but you can start to get that process rolling Gibson Sean is somebody who has had some really nice plays this season has been struggling with the injury as well I definitely think that is affecting him a little bit touched as well on the the quarterback play on that team uh, maybe also affecting that so Gibson at the moment for me feels like somebody who would be more of a, a buy low if you could acquire him um, maybe with owners being concerned but I do think if it's a situation where Dalvin Cook is the player you're moving and then Gibson plus another piece or another two pieces for example is 
the way that you're looking. Uh, I would have concerns about that unless the the other elements were going to be there. I, I do think he can be a, a tree down back, but if like we look back to his when he came into the league, like he's not a full time running back all that long, so it might take a little bit of time for that to develop. And again, with how that team is doing. I think Ron Rivera is safe this season, but things can change very, very quickly. And that's one of the most kind of turbulent franchises at the moment in the NFL. So I thought Sean first on, on him. And then I guess, what would we need with somebody like Gibson to, to be moving somebody like Cook? Cook is really tricky because he's getting a little bit older. He continues to have uh, all of these nagging injuries. In addition to having had some significant injuries in the past when he's on the field, he and Christian McCaffrey are the best running backs in the NFL. And so it's difficult to make that move because at the running back position, so much of what we're focused on is the extreme short term. And that's the case even in Dynasty, where really you want to build your Dynasty rosters around these dynamic wide receivers who can anchor you for a decade. You want to have four, five, six of those guys. I mean, you need to have just crazy receiver depth to hammer your opponents. And then you're kind of shuffling through these running backs and the, the best running backs, right? Not necessarily fill-ins. And in many cases, your opportunity actually comes in this little window that Cook, Elliott, uh, Derek Henry <laughs> with the crazy numbers this season, that kind of window for those guys and Alvin Kamara, as opposed to in this 22 to 24 year old window where they're just so insanely expensive. And so that's the situation there with Cook. I, I still have him ranked as the number three dynasty running back. I think that you know, Swift is four, Barkley is five. I think those guys, you know, kind of probably leapfrog him within their good month unless, you know, Cook really uh, can put up multiple monster weeks as well. Looking a little bit deeper, Kamara at six. I mean, he's definitely in that same group. I mean, you have the tier there from Jonathan Taylor at two to Kamara at six that I think is pretty even. Najee Harris at seven. Some people have him higher and you know, Ben and I are going to go through that, or we did go through it in terms of uh, the release dates for the shows, if you want to check that out on the Friday Stealing Bananas. But then Gibson comes in for me as the running back eight, right? And one of the things that we saw last season that I think is a little bit fluky is just so many touchdowns in close. We know that those aren't always repeatable. The concerns that he would be a little bit overvalued due to that are bigger for me than this element of the receiving. One of the things that we saw was that until he was really injured in week six, the first and second down targets had moved in his direction and away from J.D. McKissick. And then McKissick came in and had that huge game in week six in terms of first and second down targets because Gibson no longer really able to play all of the time. I think that Gibson is trending in a positive direction as a receiver. I think the team will eventually go to him one of the questions that you have, and it's it's true with a Gibson, it can be true with a Jonathan Taylor. I think with Taylor, uh, we're definitely seeing this happen. Hines has not been that involved in the last month. But year two and then year three, that's kind of the trend that we talked about in the offseason for these dual threat running backs to where they could be double-digit EP guys on both sides. Or you know, maybe for Taylor and Gibson, you're looking more at guys who can be 12 rush EP and seven or eight receiving EP. And then both of those players have the speed to break enough plays to outperform. And so I think that Gibson is an option. The other way in which he's a buy low, in addition to the current 
shin injury, which seems like it's, it's very much limiting. And I think that the Washington team was kind of admitting that this week is that if you look at the fantasy playoffs, you see that Washington has the fourth best schedule and Minnesota has the fourth worst schedule. And so that's a situation there where when you're looking at the offseason, maybe you're looking to make secondary trades. Maybe that Antonio Gibson isn't the final destination in this trade path with Cook, but you could be moving in a direction where at the end of the season, these guys are actually valued pretty similarly. People are saying, okay, well, now that the season's over, Cook doesn't mean as much to me because he's no longer giving me points in the season. We're, we're in between. I want to get younger. Gibson moving into this time period where you think of as the very peak. Maybe their values will be pretty even, especially if they're coming off of fantasy playoff performances that were fairly even. Now, again, the injury issues mean that we don't know that that's going to happen, right? I mean, Cook could still go out, beat these good defenses. Gibson could not play at all. And then you're looking at a situation where you probably lost this trade and you're not in a great situation to make moves in the offseason. But for Cook, I still think that despite where he is with age and injuries, his talent level really demands that you get compensation that's along the lines of two first-round picks. And so you, you got to have to figure for yourself what you think some of the other players mean. A trade that I was offered this week and pulled the trigger on, I have a team that has uh, injuries everywhere. And I was so excited about Travis Etienne finally declaring for the draft, finally be able to play. This is, this is a league with Debbie, so I've had Etienne forever. He doesn't declare when he should have, then he does declare, and now out for the year and so the then with the rest of the injuries i'm sitting there looking at a team that i thought was going to be a contender and it is just bad and we build our teams with enough receiver depth that this is not usually the case even when we have injuries but you know it, it can definitely happen to anybody and so i got this offer of david montgomery hunter henry and Brees hall and looking into hall a little bit you know we've got some great Debbie tools on the site. Travis May doing a fantastic job there. We know that these guys who are not yet in the NFL, not yet in the NFL draft, we don't know where they're going to land. We don't know. I mean, you think about the you know, some of these guys with Dalvin Cook sliding into the mid-second round, Jonathan Taylor sliding in the second round, DeAndre Swift sliding in the second round, Hall probably not the same level of prospect that those guys are. And you're thinking, well, you know, where does the fall happen you know, with this particular player? You're not sure. But a good prospect, and you're getting a three-for-one, it addresses a tight end issue that I have. David Montgomery you know, is establishing himself, even though I mean, we haven't been high on him. But I think there are some elements there. The Bears, another team with a good playoff schedule. So if he gets back and is able to retake most of the work from Herbert, who has looked very good, I, I don't think there's any question that one of the reasons why Montgomery came in as part of this offer was because Khalil Herbert has been so good the last couple of weeks. But you have a, a chance to get multiple pieces and perhaps some ascending pieces, some younger pieces, address a positional area that's harder. That's the kind of thing that I would be looking to do with Cook. You have to get younger if you move him because you're not going to get more talented, right? You're going to lose talent. You have to get younger, maybe address some other parts of your roster that you need to address and create more pathways to victory. One of the things that you know has been difficult in dynasty the last couple of years is that i have a huge exposure to christian mccaffrey you go into the season and you're like i'm gonna win how can you not with christian mccaffrey and then the season progresses and you're like i'm not gonna win you have to have enough depth. some of those teams you know i'm like if, if mccaffrey just gets back then I, i've got this locked up you know the team is right there 
without McCaffrey, he's going to come back, you win, but you don't know. You have to have enough depth to make it even without your star. That's what you have to do with your dynasty team, be looking at it that way. We want to create as many paths as possible. So, I mean, I'd be willing to take someone worse than Gibson if the secondary pieces are good enough that it gives me those pathways. If I'm really relying mostly on Gibson and then, you know, some roster filler, that's that's much more difficult. Thanks to Blake as well for sending in that question. If you do have any questions in that kind of frame or um, any other kind of general strategy questions, um, do send them in. We'll try and use some of them from time to time on the show. We will, of course, have another one of our Q&A shows. Uh, first one of them dropped last Sunday. We'll have one tomorrow as well. If you're listening to this Saturday, if you're listening to it on Sunday, um, it may uh, well, it will already be up. So do check that out. And uh, we will have we have a few of those recorded. But if you have any more questions you would like or something that we talk about piques your interest, um, you can send in those questions ahead of time. We'll try and include them on any future ones that we do. Uh, Sean, I'll finish this off by saying that the time does change in the US this week. It does not change in the UK. So hopefully we'll be able to come together and, you know, an appropriate time in the Eastern time zone work that we'll be able to figure out our own time zones to, to make it all happen for next week. So hopefully when the listeners come back on Tuesday, there, there will be a show posted as long as we can figure out what we are doing with the time zones. But um it's always a couple of weeks till we get things aligned. It is always interesting for me now this week and for any of our UK or Irish listeners, the games obviously will start an hour earlier for us. So um, it's always quite nice because those games then start at 5 p.m. and it means that the, the late games then kind of end an hour earlier so it works out better for your sleep pattern. But um, yeah, that's, that's going to be fun this week to get a little bit of a, an early start. It always feels like a treat. But until we're back, well, until we're back with another show talking NFL on Tuesday, but we will be back for you with another podcast tomorrow. Um, listen and have, have a good weekend. Enjoy those. Best of luck in week eight. And uh, as always, to finish it off, if you do want to sign up for Rotoviz NFL Pass and you haven't done so already, add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Save yourself 10% off your Rotoviz subscription. And that'll help get you set up for success rest of season and into 2022. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out all of Sean's work up on rotaviz.com and check out the Stealing Bananas podcast as well. And until next time, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.